Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Welcome to Narrative Live. It's so good to be with you tonight. Um, there's Lincoln's Bible in LA. Hi, LB. How are you? Hi, I'm good. And uh, we're very excited to have Dr. Bandy Ali with us today, who's the uh, editor of that really well-known book that came out, what is it now, about a couple of years ago about the uh, psychology of, of Donald Trump's brain? Is it, It's probably about two years ago, right? Three years ago, Three years actually. Ago. You've got a follow-up book that you've just, uh, is just out. Um, and tell us a little bit more about what that book is. Profile of a Nation, Trump's Mind, America's Soul. Mm. And it's a complete psychological profile of Donald Trump in the context of his followers and the nation. Tonight's show is going to be really interesting. We're going to take a look at the last few days in our national history, which has really been a crisis. I mean, there's no other way to describe what has been a national security crisis on all of our hands because the President of the United States has been incapacitated. We still don't know whether the, uh, the President has really got COVID. I mean, we suspect he does, but does he really have COVID? Is he covering up for something and what's he covering up for? And what's the intention of all this craziness that he's doing with these helicopter landings and this um, TV uh, made-for-TV moments that he's producing. These, LB, are the open questions that I think we still have on our minds. We still don't know if he has COVID-19. We don't know if there is a cover-up of any sort. And we don't know what they're hiding if there is a cover-up. Like, what's the intention of what they're doing? And we also don't know what narrative shaping is going on. Over the last few years, you and I have learned the hard way what narrative shaping really is and how much of a tactical war there is to try and convince people um, of certain narratives. Um, Are there any other questions on your mind or do you think this is an interesting list worth worth pursuing at the start of this? I think it's a good list. I mean, if I can just say, I actually think we... I mean, we're not seeing the actual test results, but I would say I think he has COVID because to fake that means you're faking all these other people who are sick, all this. It just all it's all a a disaster. Um, And I think beyond the, the capabilities of almost anyone anyway, and the doctors and nurses, and there's a lot involved in this it just would be too it's too far out there for me to go oh this is all an orchestration however I don't know that we know that this man has been being tested so everyone's like when's the last negative test how that's my open question is how do we know he's even been being tested at all? And I'd love to talk to Bandy about the personality disorder, or however you give me the language, um, around someone like this actually putting themselves through the discomfort of having a test, which he talked about as an operation. The one time we do know he had it, he said it was like an operation. He went crazy about it and how awful it was. And it just it's just my burning question of, Well, it seems like for him, he'd say, well, why do I need to get tested if you all are getting tested? I'm not going through that again because he doesn't care about 
him giving it to anybody. He cares about himself only. So if everybody else is getting tested, and then that protects him from getting it. Why should he have a test? So I, I don't, I don't know that we know that he's been getting tested regularly for COVID at all. Your question to Bandy is is really interesting. Like, what kind yeah. of person are we dealing with? What is the diagnosis of of uh, of Donald Trump's brain as we head into this journey to try and figure out what he did over the last few days? Well, first of all, let me say that I love these questions, all the questions you're posing. You're very much thinking like a forensic psychiatrist because we, uh, well, as a mental health professional, we don't take for granted that whatever we hear is true. We also uh, consider, especially someone like myself, who uh, routinely treats prisoners and those who have committed violence, uh, we think about all possibilities. So what are some of the things we think about? Well, we think about uh, what are the medical inconsistencies, you know, is is the overall picture consistent? And we already know there are a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, the next thing we look at is, is there secondary gain? In other words, is there something to gain out of feigning illness or malingering, as we call it? Um, and uh, we uh, also think about the person's psychological structure. Are they capable of doing this. Not only are they capable, but are they likely to do something like this? Their go-to, right. Are they prone to this? Right. And so the answer to all three of those um, is actually kind of in, in the affirmative. I mean, we've encountered so many uh, conflicting stories and medically it in many different ways, it doesn't quite add up. Um, in terms of secondary gain, my goodness, uh, he entirely was able to change the narrative, going from uh, all the criticisms about uh, his taxes, his comments, and then the debacle, the debate performance that was historic in terms of level of um, poor performance. And then uh, and, and then we see how he can benefit. So let's tackle each of these questions separately mm. because when I face with a big problem, I like to do that. I like to break it up and see if we can figure out, you know, these four critical questions or maybe there's more. Let's figure out whether he, he has all these things. Let's begin with the signs that Trump has COVID-19. Okay. Is he really sick with COVID-19? I, I think the evidence here seems pretty as you've mentioned already, seems pretty good. In other words, we know that there's people who've been infected by him, so it seems like they he must have had it in order to spread it. And that's uh, certainly as part of that super spreader event that he had. Everyone's pointing uh, the finger at that event as being the main super spreader event, but he's had many events uh, where he could have been um, positive for coronavirus and still uh, transmitting it or allowing other people to contract it from him. Um, he's also been visibly symptomatic. And I think that's, you know, last night when he finally yeah. got there with his helicopter and he climbed the stairs, uh, he was yeah. gasping. There was a, you know, he was really short of breath. And I, I don't know the tape here, but there's oh, a picture. Yeah. Of him. <laughs> he did the Avita balcony yeah. with his COVID. He did, but he, yeah. looked, you know, I've had coronavirus. It is a tough, tough, tough disease. It's tough. 
I don't and you know. You try to breathe through that, and when you get that pain, it's really searing, and it is does get really searing. Uh, it's not your yeah. typical. Uh, I've got a cold no. kind of pain. It's a oh my gosh, I can't breathe. I'm being suffocated kind of pain. Yes, and I could see in his face that that's what he was going through last night. So mm. he was um, struggling. He was yeah. struggling, and um, I just yeah, I just think he has it. I just don't know how long he's had it. And, and he's on all these drugs now, so. <laughs> yeah, who knows? We might, you might, you know? those, those drugs are so powerful that they could be suppressing the actual disease that we don't know whether he's still very contagious. Um, there was also the reports of the low blood oxygen, and I believe those to be actually true because they came from two different sources, and it sounds like they're, they're uh, accurate. At least the hospital said twice he had low blood oxygen, and, and I think um, the chief of staff also said that. Now, there could be colluding, of course, but let's, let's take that one as a maybe a possibility. And then there's the biggest one for me, which is that he's had this you know, experimental triple therapy all at once. I mean, they would not throw that kind of firepower at the uh, yeah. president of the United States unless they had good reason to do that. Uh, what do you think of those? As, uh, are those the things they would say to you that he has COVID-19? Either of you, Bandy or, or LB? I'm saying yes. Yeah. I think he even had an... Yeah, I think the infection... I think he has pneumonia. I think it's in there. Mm, yeah. Quite possible. Go ahead, Bandy. I think LB's suggestion of the possibility of his having had this disease for longer is also a possibility. We know that he has not um, he's not taken precautions to protect others, let alone himself. And so um, it's it is perfectly within the realm of possibility that he would have had it for longer. He would have even known he had had it for longer. But all of these are really unknowns. I think uh, the most important uh, aspect to think about is the fact that he is capable of fabricating. In, in fact, most likely he will fabricate uh, whatever it is. Um, he will change it from what it is in reality, uh, whether it is uh, more uh, severe than he lets on or uh, less severe and even non-existent. All of these are possibilities because he often fights reality. He doesn't fight the virus. Sorry, keep going. Don't mean to interrupt you. He doesn't fight the virus. He doesn't uh, deal with uh, the, the problem at hand rationally, but he deals with it very consistently when we think about his psychology. And what he does is he denies, he um, alters, and he uh, lies about reality. And he needs to somehow uh, separate himself from reality because reality contains very frightening things for him, including his own inadequacy and his uh, feeling that he can't really do the job. He would be the first one to uh, tell you that he can't really do his job. Uh, that's that's deeply suppressed in his unconscious, but, but that's what he's fighting. Seems like you'd go to any lengths to prove something um, was was not true about him if it was negative. Right. He's, yes. he's fighting reality. He's not fighting the virus. 
He's fighting mm. reality. Right. And so even the reality of, I have this. He's fighting that. No, dominate it. You can all overcome. I overcame it. He's just fighting reality. Mm. He won't fight the virus for us. He's not even fighting the virus for himself because what it means to him, he's just fighting. He's fighting the facts and truth and, and reality. That's what he does. So that leads wow. us quite naturally to, are there signs of him covering up? You know, what's, what, uh, what exactly is he covering up? Because it's, it's important to figure out, as you always like to point out, yeah. is what the negative space is. And maybe, LB, you should re- just introduce everyone to what a, a negative space is in, a, in when people are dealing with a narrative construction and, and, and the like. Right. So, you know, when you're especially dealing with... Um, just only the data you can compile, right? And trying to stay in reality <laughs> um, and stay in like, hey, what do we know? What happened? What was said? You know, the, you know, what did we witness? All of that. What do we have information on? You could start to draw a picture, starts to form around the unknown or whatever the problem is. And what you end up searching for as you're doing analysis is what we call the negative space. So, because if you put all of your data points around, they will sort of draw the outline of, uh, of whatever it, whatever the answer is. It's not like it's just going to deliver it. Um, and I'll give an example. Like, we have a lot of, we have eyewitnesses, we have decades of testimony, we have people who partied with Donald Trump and who saw him with their own eyes um, abusing stimulants, abusing cocaine, abusing Adderall, crushing it in front of them, snorting it. We have real eyewitness accounts of this. We have had hard evidence of what we could see, what we could see or visible witnessing ourselves when hard white debris comes flying out of his mysterious substances flying out. And, and, and lands, and it doesn't dissolve. It's not. It's hard debris. We, nobody's tested it. We don't know. We can't test it. But we start. You start to put all of these data points. His, you know, his pupils, his rambling, his, you know, some other things that have been caught on camera around him that would seem to support an Adderall or stimulant addiction, and you begin to see the formation of oh, we might be dealing with a major addict here, an, an addiction issue here now. Is he doing this in front of us and going on tape and admitting it? And we're meeting his drug dealer and right, right. Or here's the doctor files that have it all in the files, the doctor files that were stolen out of his doctor's office and, and sent somewhere else. God only knows where they are. Um, do we have all that? Are we looking at all that? No. But we're looking at all these data points around this. And so that's the negative space. So trying to, you can get it defined. You can see the shape of it. If you just gather enough information and data, you right. see it like a like a silhouette. Um, Described it as well as a as a character from Bugs Buddy, or maybe just the Bugs yeah, Bunny. Yeah, that's my visual example of like you know in those old uh, one of those cartoons where like Bugs Bunny would run through the wall right. or somebody would run through the wall, but you can his shape is really identifiable, and you didn't see him run through the wall, but you, you came afterwards and you saw the actual silhouette of Bugs Bunny. You'd be able to go, oh, Bugs Bunny ran through that wall. You weren't there to see him run through the wall, but yeah. it, you you see the negative space he left behind. Um, and that was left behind. And so it, that's my metaphor, because everyone's seen those cartoons knows the image I'm talking about. Or Wiley yeah. Coyote, Roadrunner, any of those guys. That guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I always get them confused, but yes, it's an interesting way of looking at things because what we're looking for is an outline of something that isn't there, but we can right. see the outline. And so right. as we look at trying to figure out whether he's covering up for something, we're looking to see if, you know, what are the things that he's covering up? So they didn't give us any details of anything about his, his, his time at, at the hospital, even before. We don't have any negative tests. We don't have any tests, really. We have the assurance from his doctors that he has coronavirus, but no actual testing, which is really fascinating. There's no um, lung scans or, or other scans of other parts of his body. You know, it's a, it's a kidney disease potentially as well. This is a multi-organ disease, and yet we have nothing, nothing to support whether he's had any of those organs uh, hurting in, him in any way or damaged in any way through this ordeal. Having the date of his last negative test is critical to the contact tracing. Mm. And that's why I'm saying maybe that's what's actually being covered up here is that he hasn't been testing himself. He doesn't like it. It's uncomfortable. He's not doing it. There is no, the last negative test is in April. There is no negative test to go find. Um, He doesn't want to do it. And this is my theory. He doesn't want to do it. It was uncomfortable. Fuck everybody. I don't want to do that again. You all get the test and keep me safe. I don't have to take this test. That's, to me, what we could be looking at here. Or he's had and a test that he's covering up. Those are the two options. He's either had a test and he's wanting he to hide the, yeah. the, the timing of it, or he doesn't want to have tests at all, which is possible. Bandy, what do you think? Maybe. That's very in line with his psychology in that reality does not matter. The immediate discomfort is much greater to him than any theoretical possibility of his having a virus. So um, his constant tendency to wish to live in his own reality, in his fantasy world, where he is uh, superhuman and probably immune from the virus to start with and um, and so it fits it fits with his own narrative that he's probably telling himself that he's omnipotent he's uh, immune that he is the chosen one and therefore uh, he doesn't need to do it just as he does not need to get intelligence reports every day what does that feel like for someone who is inclined the way he is to this kind of uh, disorder um, what does it feel like is it just is it overwhelming that uh, he can't really face it that way <laughs> Well, um, I often think of a three-year-old. <laughs> when you have a three-year-old, things that are routine or just matter-of-fact for adults uh, are, are very uncomfortable. Uh, just sitting down for five minutes and paying attention to something that doesn't really make sense to them <laughs> is uh, overwhelming. And uh, so that's that's pretty much how I see it. There are many uh, such individuals they, uh, who have a developmental wound that gets them stuck in a certain developmental stage. And it's actually quite striking when you're working in prisons and uh, you would see these big muscular guys who can't even sit through a blood draw. <laughs> mm, <interesting. laughs> Scream and, and uh, run from it. 
all they can. So they're feeling it at a greater, they're feeling the kind of discomfort that we might feel for something minor. They're feeling it in a very big way for them on their scale. Well, they're, they're actually at a much more primitive level mm-hmm. where the physical things and, and little things are incredibly uh, uncomfortable to them, whereas uh, major things for us, such as a pandemic that is killing thousands of people, uh, does not quite strike them. I know there's been all this conversation for years about malignant narcissism and all these other, uh, you know, and your book certainly being very informative mm-hmm. to the psychology of this president. Um, and and people on, you know, in our world and social media and sharing and, and the news all uh, sort of, no, he has a, saying these things like he has trouble with empathy. We all know he has, we all know he has difficulty with this or they won't say he's incapable of it. They just say he's difficult. He's challenged by it. Um, and then people like on Twitter being experts in narcissists because they might have a narcissist in their life and they've lived through it. They've lived through a parent who is like this or a, a, an ex uh, who is like this. Uh, and they speak very openly about this whole experience. But it just strikes me that I don't think it's really landing <laughs> on us socially, yes. our consciousness of um, that this is not something that will ever change. As much as everybody says, oh, no, I know a narcissist and it's never change. It's, it's, it's fatal to us. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's deadly to us. This is a condition he has that will destroy us, other people. It's a terminal condition relative to the power and reach that that individual has. His reach is vast. His power is, oh, he's the most powerful individual on the planet in terms of what's available to him. And it's a, this is terminal. He's infecting us, really. He's infecting the system with him, with his, with his, uh, yeah. his own psychology. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is why we felt such need to come forward as mental health experts, because we deal with this level of severity day in and day out. And this was why we came out uh, in early 2017, first with the conference, uh, which was held at Yale, about the need to speak up, because the dangerousness that we saw was not going to be understandable by most people. And uh, and we decided we did have a duty to educate, to inform, and to warn the public. And that's why we came out with, with the book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, which was uh, an instant New York Times bestseller, unprecedented of a book of its kind. But uh, unfortunately, our, uh, uh, our foremost professional association, the American Psychiatric Association, which I call the Bill Barr of psychiatry, uh, subverted subverted professional ethics to silence. They did. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that they worked so hard to silence. Okay. I I don't know that people could hear what you said, so I'm going to repeat it, Bandy, and then you correct me if I got this wrong. You're saying now because 
I, this is actually, if I had known this, it did, this also didn't land in my brain yet. Mm-hmm. You're saying that the professional organization, the official professional organization actually prevented you from making a formal statement or refused to endorse your statement or did they come out against you or they twisted what you, what did they do that was a Bill Barr thing? Are they covered it up? So, so the way I see uh, Bill Barr's intervention is he's supposed to represent the law, but he actually subverted the law in order to protect right. someone in power. If you want to advertise on Narrative Live, well, we have partnered with AdvertiseCast to handle our advertising and sponsorship requests. They're great to work with, and they'll help you advertise on our show. Please email sales at advertisecast.com or visit our show notes page. You'll find that in your podcast player where we describe what's on this week's show.